Hello, everybody. Today is September 23rd, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to be reading such rich portions of Scripture that we have today, especially in the books of Isaiah and Ephesians. I trust you will be blessed by reading them, hearing them, taking them to heart, and meditating upon them as I have been. So let's get started by going to the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 17, and we will read through to chapter 43, verse 13. Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 17. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights, and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water, and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together, that they may see and know, may consider and understand together, that the hand of the Lord has done this, the Holy One of Israel has created it. Set forth your case, says the Lord. Bring your proofs, says the King of Jacob. Let them bring them and tell us what is to happen. Tell us the former things, what they are, that we may consider them, that we may know their outcome or declare to us the things to come. Tell us what is to come hereafter, that we may know that you are gods. Do good or do harm, that we may be dismayed and terrified. Behold, you are nothing, and your work is less than nothing. An abomination is he who chooses you. I stirred up one from the north, and he has come. From the rising of the sun, and he shall call upon my name. He shall trample on rulers as on mortar, as the potter treads clay. Who declared it from the beginning that we might know, and beforehand that we might say, He is right? There was none who declared it, none who proclaimed, none who heard your words. I was the first to say to Zion, Behold, here they are. I give to Jerusalem a herald of good news. But when I look, there is none. Among these there is no counselor, who when I ask gives an answer. Behold, they are all a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are empty wind. Chapter 42 The Lord's Chosen Servant Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you, as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, 
from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, His praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants, let the desert and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar inhabits. Let the habitants of Sela sing for joy. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare His praise in the coastlands. The Lord goes out like a mighty man. Like a man of war, He stirs up His zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows Himself mighty against His foes. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, You are our gods. Hear you, deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one, or blind as the servant of the Lord? He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness' sake, to magnify his law and make it glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted. They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plunder with none to rescue, spoil with none to say, restore. Who among you will give ear to this, will attend and listen for the time to come? Who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned, in whose ways they would not walk, and whose law they would not obey? So he poured on him the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand. It burned him up, but he did not take it to heart. Chapter 43 Israel's Only Savior But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes, and honored, and I love you, I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, 
and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together, and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right, and let them hear and say, It is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also, henceforth, I am He. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament from the prophet Isaiah. This is the word of the Lord, and we would do well to ponder its meaning. The Lord makes Himself known as the Comforter and Help of Israel. The afflicted and needy are seeking water, but there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them myself. As the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 17. Isaiah mocks the impotent idols of pre-exilic Israel and Judah and those who worship them in Isaiah chapter 41, verses 21 through 24. Having dismissed the false gods worshipped by those who have been turned to idolatry, Isaiah highlights the supremacy of the true God, the Holy One of Israel, who accurately assesses history and predicts the future. In verses 25-27, through 27, Isaiah gives evidence of this by foretelling the rise of King Cyrus of the Medo-Persian Empire. Cyrus represents the north, Medea, and the east, Persia. So he is described as being stirred up from the north and coming from the rising of the sun, the east. He will call upon the name of the Lord in the sense of using diplomatic God-talk when he decrees official permission and sponsorship for Israel to return to Jerusalem under his rule. We read about this in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Cyrus was a Zoroastrian and not a true worshiper of the God of Israel. Yet God used him as his instrument in bringing an end to the Babylonian exile and sponsoring the people's return to Jerusalem. Concerning other gods, Isaiah proclaims they are mute idols who give no worthy counsel or answers in Isaiah chapter 41, verses 28 and 29. Behold, all of them are false. Their works are worthless. Their molten images are wind and emptiness. Chapter 41, verse 29. Chapter 42 introduces the first of four servant songs in this section of Isaiah. The other servant songs are found in Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 13, chapter 50, verses 4 through 11, and chapter 52, verses 13 through chapter 53, verse 12. The nation of Israel and the Messiah are both called the servant in the book of Isaiah. Israel, as God's servant, is helping to bring to the world the knowledge of God. They have the revelational record of God's redemptive history, the oracles, that is, the fully inspired scriptures, the covenants, and were chosen to preserve the messianic line, as we read in Romans chapter 9, verses 3 through 5. The Messiah is the fulfillment of what is promised. The prophets preached the word, 
and Jesus is the Word. In John chapter 1, verse 1, verse 14, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Whereas it is clear that Israel is the servant in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, though there are applications to Israel, the clear fulfillment is found in Jesus Christ. The Gospel writer affirms this in Matthew chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. Matthew writes, This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out, until he leads justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Christ's baptism by John at the River Jordan is pictured in verse 1. Christ's character is pictured in verses 2 through 4. His way was not one of self-promotion, even when he spoke of his authority, centrality, and indispensability as the Messiah. He offers salvaging for those regarded as spent and useless, the bruised reed and smoking flax. He persistently pictures not just proclaiming justice, but attaining justice, righting every redeemable wrong with his perfect sacrificial offering for the atonement of our sins. Although he suffers the contradiction of sinners, he is not discouraged. He endures the cross, despises the shame. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jacob, David, Elijah, and Jonah all had episodes of discouragement, but Jesus was never discouraged. Thank God he never gave up and never gave in to discouragement, even when his soul sorrowed unto death, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. All five covenants given to Israel will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ, in verse 6. He will be a light to the Gentiles, the promised seed in whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He fulfills the Abrahamic covenant of Genesis chapter 15. He is the end of the law for righteousness in the Mosaic covenant, standing in as representative for God's people, fulfilling its demands as well as its prefiguring types and shadows. He is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant of 2 Samuel chapter 7 as the promised son of David and king of the Jews. And he is the fulfillment of the new covenant promises of Jeremiah chapter 31 as the prophet likened to Moses to come and the only true mediator between God and man. His gospel calls us from death to life, from darkness to light, from bondage to freedom. In verse 7, He gives his glory to no other, because there is no other God. He is the only God, and he intends to make that known, and all who know him will rejoice. In verse 8, His former prophecies have come true. So will these new prophecies concerning the Messiah in verse 9. Verses 10 through 13 is a call for all to worship him, whereas those who worship idols will be destroyed along with them. Those who turn to the Lord will be shown God's salvation. God promises to reclaim his people for his own glory. His people failed to be a responsive servant. They had become a people plundered and looted, with none to rescue. The Lord allowed this, because they had become blind and deaf through their disobedience. God will redeem Israel through His faithful servant, Jesus Christ. In the mind of God, it's as good as done. But now, 
Thus says the Lord your Creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Isaiah 43, verse 1. The Lord promises His gracious care, protection, and deliverance. He is the God who threw back the waters of the Red Sea and the Jordan, and would deliver the three Hebrew boys from the fiery furnace. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. God declares that He is the Creator, Redeemer, and Savior of Israel. Therefore, they are to be His witnesses. In chapter 43, verses 10 through 12, there is no other Savior in verse 11. This is what the Apostle Peter proclaimed, and there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour today, and we are in the book of Ephesians, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 2 and reading through to verse 22. Ephesians chapter 2, by grace through faith. Verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And He came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, 
being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament passage from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus morphs into a proclamation of the saving grace of God. He describes the totally depraved condition of the human being since the fall. This is the story of every Christian without exception. There are some who say, I've always believed in God. The question is, when did you realize your condition of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3? These words convict us of our very real need for God's intervention through the substitutionary life and death of Jesus Christ. We were all born DOA, dead on arrival, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, spiritually subject to Satan, in verse 2, in bondage to the selfish desires of our fallen nature and under the wrath of God, in verse 3. The root of our sinful nature soon manifests itself with the fruit of sinful deeds. We are born sinners, in Psalm 51, verse 5, and we live in a world that is presently dominated by the lies of the devil and has produced a culture of disobedience to God. This does not mean that human beings are as bad as they possibly can be, but they are as bad off as they can possibly be, unless they humbly repent and lay claim to God's mercy in the person and work of His Son. In contrast to the bad news of man's condition, there is the good news of God's provision, in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4-7 through seven. In these words, we have the truth about our past and present condition. We were dead in our transgressions, but are now made alive together with Christ. We also are given the truth about our present position. We have been raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenly places by virtue of our faith union with Him. He also gives a revelation of our future possession, the ever-surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us. The best is yet to be. This is a revelation that God gave Paul. The truth of our past and future condition is vital. We were positioned as dead in Adam, alienated from the life of God. Now we are alive in Christ. Once we owned our sentence of death under God's righteous wrathful judgments. Now we own exceeding riches and are shown God's grace and kindness towards us. Grace is God's unmerited favor. He does for us what we could not do for ourselves. We owed a debt we could not pay, and He paid the debt He did not owe. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. There is no boasting in ourselves in heaven. Our salvation is not based on our performance, but on Christ's performance on our behalf. To be saved is to be thoroughly salvaged. We are being restored to function by the power of God's Spirit for the works that God has beforehand ordained that we should walk in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It is important that we appreciate the gospel and preach it to ourselves. We should never forget what it means to be a Christian. 
We no longer are separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We are no longer outsiders when it comes to God's new covenant promises. We have been grafted in. We are no longer without hope and without God. We are in the world, but no longer of it. We are no longer subject to the people of the lie. We are positioned in Christ, the holiest of all. He is all that the tabernacle represented of a saving work to give us peace. By offering himself on the cross, Jesus made peace with God on our behalf and now has become our peace. In his ascension, he has become head of a new creation, a new man that has fulfilled the law and rather than being under the law, lives by the law of the spirit of divine life. There were walls in the temple that separated Jew and Gentile, male and female, the worshiper from the presence of the testimony of the holiest of all. These walls have come down in Christ. Now we are members of a new community, the household of God, fellow citizens with the saints, and are being built upon the foundation of the word of God, the New Testament revelation with Christ as the cornerstone. The whole building gets its shape, life, and stability as it relates to him with saving faith. In him we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In Ephesians 2, verse 22. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the book of Psalms, Psalm 67, verses 1 through 7. Make your face shine upon us. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This prayer opens with a benediction that reminds us of our life purpose. God be gracious to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. We are here to know Christ and to make him known. You may remember the ironic blessing of Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 27. Jesus has made it possible for the light of God's countenance, his eternal favor, to rest upon us and give us peace. The psalmist reminds us that his blessing serves an evangelistic purpose, we who experience the good news are called to display it and declare it. There are four parts to the news that makes it good to all people. First, God makes himself known in verse 2. Secondly, he is a perfect judge, not overlooking sin, and is qualified to judge with equity. He is worthy to be worshipped and obeyed by all. He is competent to guide all the nations upon the earth in verse 4, 6, Acts chapter 17, verse 31, and John chapter 5, verse 22. Thirdly, the gospel makes God's way and saving power known. In verse 2, we see God's ways in Jesus. He claimed to be the way back to the Father as our peacemaking mediator. In John chapter 14, verse 6, his resurrection power proclaimed victory over sin and death, and in that power we are called to proclaim it. Fourthly, this God provides all that we need 
furnishing all our creaturely needs, in verse 6, and spiritual needs. Through a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and His Word, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. In Him we are blessed with every spiritual blessing, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Therefore, let all the ends of the earth fear Him. Psalm 67, verse 7. And now to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 29 through 35. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things, and your heart utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. This section of Proverbs highlights not only the dangers of alcohol, but also all addictions. What poor substitutes are chosen instead of God's perfect substitute? Don't medicate your pain with drink. Go to the great physician and let him deliver you. Remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18-19. through 19, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your servant, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. On our behalf he humbled himself and became a servant, identifying with our humanity and became obedient unto death to purchase our salvation. You are God and there is no other, Thank you for making yourself known through our Lord Jesus Christ, who became our way to you. We were dead in our sins and utterly useless broken reeds and extinguished candles. But you, in your rich mercy, sent Jesus to our rescue. We praise you and ask that you would empower us to make you known as we share the good news with others. In Jesus' name, Amen. We truly have had edifying portions of Scripture to read today, and I trust you were blessed. We look forward to continuing in the prophecy of Isaiah tomorrow and the book of Ephesians. And if you would like a written copy of our commentary on each day's portion of the one-year Bible readings, you can go to our website and get a free subscription to a daily email, and also other resources are available. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write to us at podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, think about the perfect mediator, the God-man Jesus Christ. Whereas no man can look upon God and live, the light of God's countenance can now shine upon us and does now shine upon us in the face of Jesus Christ and gives us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. May the one who made peace for us in the sacrifice of himself on the cross minister his peace to us and through us by his spirit. Shalom.